Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I'm your host tonight. I'm Sam. You can find me on Twitter at SamanthaCP underscore. And I am joined tonight by Mike Vail of the Scorch Stack. You can find Mike on Twitter at Mike Vail, um, F-A-I-L. Although he also does have another backup account that I accidentally messaged today. Uh, Canucks win tonight, 4-3 in a shootout. Uh, get some scintillating hockey Am I being sarcastic? Possibly. Uh, Canucks win 4-3. Before we jump into the segment, going to give a shout out to our sponsors. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's sportsbook. Football continues, basketball is back, and the hockey season is well underway. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Made for Canadians, by Canadians, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Mike, thank you for joining us tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. How about yourself? Uh, I would say that tonight I should probably be happy that the Canucks won, but in my usual contrarian fashion... Every win takes me further away from a legitimate rebuild in Connor Bedard. So I would say I'm like instant gratification me is happy, but like rational me not so happy. It's like the inner conflict of every hockey fan. Exactly. It's completely understandable. I feel you. Yeah. How how about you? How do you feel about uh, that loss? Uh I feel great. Um it <laughs> it's really enjoyable that the only games that this team seems to win are when I pay money to go see them. So uh, if anybody in the comments or the chat wants to give me a bunch of money to go to Calgary and watch hockey, uh, hit me up on PayPal. Uh, that would be sweet because I think at the start of the season, I thought that the Calgary Flames would be good this season. I thought they would be a legitimate contender. Uh, I think I said that on Zone Time. Well, or maybe Omar Tic Omar said it and I agreed with him. And currently going into going into the game tonight, the Flames were fifth in the Pacific slightly marginally ahead of the Canucks and even they're still still ahead despite that loss but even less of a margin it's totally this is exactly going to plan this is right where we want the league we as a Flames fan we want everybody on their toes it's a 2-0 lead for everybody right now we're just waiting to pounce on it and get ahead and vault up the standings and everybody be like those are the Calgary Flames we're expecting everything is normal but no it it's been like really hot and cold and you know, Jonathan Huberto, I'm sure we're going to talk about him. He didn't really play great at all tonight. He kind of played like a hot cup of urine. Um, if, I, if I can be frank, he was just a two liter cup of pee everywhere. It was very unfortunate. Um, and, you know, goaltending. And we'll talk about that. It's been up and down and Daryl's being Daryl. It's just it's just one of those years, but it's kind of be expected. Yeah. Uh, so story of the game, if you guys haven't been watching, um, the Canucks opened the game with two goals in the first two minutes, Bo Horvat and Connor Garland scoring real quick on Jacob Markstrom. And then in typical Canucks fashion, blow that lead by the end of the period. Uh, end of the first is tied 2-2. Two more goals, for one for each team in the second, and then obviously nothing in the third. What did you think was the biggest story of the game for you? Um, I really think it was Jonathan Hebrido. I, I think it was the the worst game of his uh, Calgary Flames season and uh, career so far. Um, nothing was working, and uh, he he tried to will things in, in out of thin air at times, and he tried to do things that 
you would assume could lead to success and it didn't happen. And I think the line was like, over for two at, on five at five or five in terms of goals against. So I couldn't really get anything going. Um, and I think they really need a lot more out of him. It's a prolonged and drawn out storyline so far that you would expect, you know, he would be acclimated or, um, living up to some sort of standards, but, uh, that maybe were predetermined by fans, but he's just not doing it right now. And the team really needs it, especially since they're, they're blowing, they're blowing games like this where they should be beating, uh, I guess like a morally defeated Vancouver Canucks team that is slowly imploding. They should be able to conquer that and, uh, they're not really doing it, but yeah, Jonathan Huberto, big old cup of pee pee. Yeah. I, I thought, I was surprised by the flow of the game tonight. I thought this was a game that Calgary should have easily dominated, but, you know, in typical Canucks fashion, they show up for the games where I think they're going to blow it. Um, and they lo- they looked better than they should have looked tonight. I thought that, especially in the third, the Canucks had a lot of, uh, like, a lot of offensive chances, which really I, I found surprising. Um, yeah, yeah. I think they really, really, really took advantage of, some really sloppy defensive player, like pinching defensemen that shouldn't be pinching. And it was kind of outlandish. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm old now, Sam. I don't have a lot of time to watch hockey outside of the Calgary Flames. And half the time, I don't even have enough time to watch a full season. So like, I think this is like the first time I've watched a Canucks game from start to finish. And I was like, wow, some of these, sometimes these guys can play. Uh, and they, they really jumped on them. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to make of this other than, you know, they, they could have played a whole lot better and, like you said, they jumped on it and, the, the, you know, the Flames played for it. Yeah, I, I, one of the things that surprised me was that this was the first time the Canucks and the Flames played this season, which seems absurd. It's December 14th and they hadn't played each other yet. They've got three more games in the series. Um, yeah, for somebody who hasn't seen the Canucks often, this is the type of game that, for me, is frustrating as a Canucks fan. Not only because you get glimpses into like, oh, this is a core that could be good. This is a team that could be good. But this is the exact type of game where they look deceptively good enough that certain segments of this fan base who, unlike you, actually watch the Canucks all the time and should know better are like, yeah, we should we should gun for playoffs. Like Avery says in the chat, one step closer to the Canucks somehow backing into a wildcard spot in the West. There are for sure people who think the Canucks should uh, make a run for the playoffs and that they are a good team. Oh, that's, that's funny. I, I, I find that really, I find that adorable that people have hope, you know, <laughs> maybe it's like the nihilism in me as a hockey fan where people are like, yeah, we just, we just have to get in and anything can happen. It's like, or you get in and you bungle your chance at, you know, a, a generational talent or somebody you can make a difference at a few years down the road when they're actually competitive. Um, I, I think that's really sweet that people really want that. Uh, I'm, ro- I'm rooting for them to hope that their dreams come true. I, I think that would be really wonderful. Uh, okay, back to back to Huberto. Yes, I think I can guess where you stand on that trade. But oh. how do you feel about it at this point of the season? Well, um, I go to therapy regularly, and it's a really big topic with my therapist. Uh, shout out to Trish. She's fantastic. Um, she knows more about the intimate thoughts I have about hockey than I think a lot of people would who get paid $200 an hour to listen to my problems. But um, it's it's not looking great. I really love Mackenzie Weger. I think he's a 
fantastic defenseman. I think he's vital and he does all the wonderful things that make hockey, especially in this era, like so fantastic to watch as a product. You know, it's great, you know, driving play up and down the ice. And, and he's pretty good in his own zone at times. He's not making out when he's not making like turnovers that stand out and make the local media go insane. And, you know, he does all these things great. And that the concept of Jonathan Huberto, like if you close your eyes and think of him, you, you would think of like this stocky Frenchman who is really good at playing hockey. Um, but in reality, you get this sad, broken down, disheveled man who went from Florida to Alberta and he hasn't completely acclimated to uh, playing under Daryl Sutter. And it's not really working out. There was like a nice stretch where he was looking like a, a really good player again. Um, he was playing on a line with Michael Backlund. Go figure. Like you get the Backlund bump and all of a sudden your life starts changing and everything looks better. But um, he's kind of reverted back to this, I guess, like shell of himself that you would not expect um, from a player who put up like 100 plus points last season. And to make matters worse, the diminutive rap boy, Matthew Kachuk, who went to Florida and drives a golf cart around and sticks Jonathan Quick in the eye and makes me fall in love with his, you know, kind of butthead play all over again from afar is having a fantastic season and he's like in you know he's a nominee he's a potential nominee for an mvp right now um at this point in the season so it's brutal it's uh absolutely brutal but i try to remain positive i smile politely when people bring up the flames i cry in the dark when they lose dramatically or play like butts so it's it's going great I'm, i'm really hoping you can turn a corner I was going to say, I, I feel like that at this point I should offer you a Kleenex because you might be the only, that might be, have been one of the most depressing turns on this, on the show so far. Um, for, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Going back to the game tonight, what stood out to you about the Canucks as somebody who doesn't watch the Canucks regularly, like you said? Um, I I think... Like I guess as an observer, like living in Edmonton and then really all you see, like, cause I don't have time to watch all these games now cause I'm an old, old coot. Um, you, I was expecting this team to be a lot less structured at times. Like you see a lot of it in highlights and things that go wrong. Um, but they really took advantage of just like a lot of instability in the flames game tonight. And I really was kind of blown back by that. Like there's a lot of jump in their play. They were taking advantage of a lot of like odd man breaks at times. Um, they were breaking up entries and making it really difficult to play in the neutral zone at times. Um, they were gr- regrouping with like failed entries or entries that were sent back out into the neutral zone. I was really appreciative. Like just from like a pure like hockey tactics approach that I really thought was cool. Um, and I, I don't m- know much about Spencer Martin um, other than he's a goalie and he's a human being. So those are, two things and he played pretty great tonight um he, you know the, the three goals against were you know whatever but um i was just kind of i was relatively thoroughly impressed with like the entire connects kind of game plan tonight which is not something i don't think i would say kind of in 34 years of being on the planet yeah that's it's, not it's something a, that's not something we hear very often yeah i uh, if if people want to clip that and be like wow mike is super positive uh about the canucks and make it out that i'm a a secret Canucks fan be my guest. I thought it was, I thought they played pretty good tonight. So yeah, I thought, I thought the Canucks looked good tonight. I was particularly impressed by Connor Garland and by uh, Niels Hoglander, who had probably his best game of the season. Um, And that's really, I think the type of game that Canucks fans have been hoping to see from Hoglander. And hopefully he'll be able to bring that type of energy more regularly. Um, Okay. 
you alluded to this earlier. We're going to switch into our second topic, which I think is probably a topic that is that will rile up both Canucks fans and Calgary fans, and that is Jacob Markstrom. Um, Markstrom obviously had a rough start to the game. Um, anyone who, in case my record on this is not clear, uh, two years ago when he was having like two or three years ago, I can't even keep track of time anymore. Um, basically, his last season with Canucks, I made the controversial opinion that the Canucks should have traded him before the trade deadline. They were on the bubble at the time. And I think a lot of people were really upset when I suggested that they trade him instead of letting him walk for nothing. And also I took the position that they should not give him a massive payday because he was going to, it was just going to age poorly as a goaltender. Um, And I have felt relatively vindicated this season. Uh, notwithstanding that he's had a couple of great seasons still in him and you know he looked solid after those first two goals but talk to me a little bit about what your view of Markstrom is at this point he is a riddle wrapped in an enigma wrapped in a reverse retro jersey wrapped in a personal hell of eroding confidence um I I am I'm very empathetic to his current state in that there were recent comments, you know, he's like, he has no confidence, basically, you know, he's rattled, he's distraught. Um, whatever happened in that second series in the postseason last year uh, versus Edmonton has broken him. And it's the same look that I have in my eyes some days after living at Edmonton for 16 years. Um, so it, I, I get it. Um, there's just not a lot going right. Um, I think that there's a narrative that it's purely him. Um, which I think is patently false. I think that there's some blame that could be attributed to his poor play at times. Um, you know, he's really sloppy. You know, he's making plays outside of his crease that he shouldn't be doing, and the puck ends up in the back of the net. Um, but the team has also had their fair share of injuries or health concerns or uh, folks missing from the blue line, and that has impacted the play in front of him, which has led to chances that probably shouldn't be getting anywhere near him or, you know, opportunities that are occurring that the I guess their defensive zone that shouldn't be occurring, you know, Oliver Shillington's gone. Chris Tanev is dead now. Um, Michael Stone is a regular blue liner. Connor Mackey's 54 years old and is still a prospect and he's playing in front of him. And there's all these litany of things that are going wrong on top of a goaltender who just needs to like get a reset and figure himself out and become that guy again um, that he was last season because uh, his first season in Calgary wasn't that, wasn't that spectacular, you know, spectacular. It's, it's kind of been hot and cold. So um, it's a mix of things. And I think Calgary as a market, when it comes to goaltending has always been a problem. Um, and I'm sure that's probably a factor that might get to him, right? Like the team struggled to find a goaltender in the post Kiprasov era. He's that guy now. So there's a lot of weight on his shoulders, right? Like I can only assume like that is a factor that is contributing to, you know, you know, the confidence and stuff like that eroding. But I think this game, the game versus Montreal in particular, those are two kind of cornerstones you could build off of for the rest of the season and say, Hey, like you're playing really great again. You are a great goaltender. Like you deserve to be in that conversation for the best goalies in the league. It's just a matter of getting him back to that. Um, the contract, if he continues to play this way, uh, is a poison pill that is already digested and, uh, they'll have to eat it or digest it even further. Right. And it's not, it's not going to get any easier. So, um, I'm confident that he can break out of it. It's just a matter of like building blocks 
as simple as it sounds and as maybe as myopic as it might be, you know, games like this are the great way to get him back to what I think we would expect him to be. Yeah. I see in the chat, Locomotive says, as a Canucks fan, don't be worried about Marky. It happens with the big guy. And that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, to your point about the confidence, I think when he first started with the Canucks and he was widely viewed around the league as, you know, one of the top goaltending prospects not playing in the NHL. And then he had a couple of really rough seasons to start. It was always a confi- it was always a confidence issue. He's, you know, goaltenders are notoriously in their heads, but he, out of all the goaltenders, is particularly so. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think what worked for him with the Canucks was, frankly, Ian Clark building him up and getting him to to a really great point. Um, and as a Canucks fan, I I delight in watching other teams lose notwithstanding that I really want them to lose this season it's an internal conflict but I am a big fan of Jacob Markstrom as a person and hopefully would love to see him pull pull his game back together because it's been it's like you said it's it's rough to see guys come out and say yeah I sucked I love, I mean, personally, like, I know it, it's painful for a lot of folks that are fans of these guys to say that, like, I hate hearing that, but I love hearing that. Like, I love it in the way of, like, I love the candidness of these athletes being able to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm playing like trash. Like, I'm poop. I, I want to hear that because it's a lot easier for me as a fan to rally around somebody um, and identify with maybe what they're going through. Like, it's just a basic human thing for me. I, th- I feel, and I'm sure there are other folks that they're like that. So as soon as he said that, I was like, that's it. I will do anything for this man at this point. I will run through a brick wall. I will get a broadsword and mow down his enemies. I will do anything for this goaltender. Like he's never met me before, but I'll do it. Avery says you're the Bruno Mars of hockey Twitter. That's really kind, but Avery has Microsoft Excel on his phone and it's 2022. <laughs> Avery getting thrown under the bus. Uh, is that is that worse than his food takes or is that better? As somebody who spent a lot of time with Avery, uh, sharing bread and breaking bread and uh, having large family style meals, um, there's nothing more troubling in my adult life that I talk about in therapy regularly than Avery's food takes. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Uh, Okay, we are going to switch into our third segment. Before I do that, thanks if you're watching and joining us today. The Canucks win 4-3 in the shootout. Uh, If you're with us, we are about to talk about Bo Horvat. So go share the stream on your socials, get people in the chat. I want to hear every single one of your takes on Bo Horvat. Uh, So I think it'll be interesting to get your opinion as as an outsider to the Canucks market. Um, the story this week, obviously, for the Canucks has been largely off the ice. Uh, the story came out during Hockey Night in Canada that uh, Bo Horvat rejected the Canucks' last offer and he's likely on the trade block. He follows that up with a statement saying he doesn't want to be a distraction to the team, doesn't want to talk about this for the rest of the season. He's focused on helping this team win. As somebody who is outside of the market, I have two questions. One, what do you think of this entire situation and how the Canucks have handled it? And two, what are your dream trades for Bo Horvat? This is the most quintessential Vancouver Canucks story that could happen in a season that is the most quintessential Vancouver Canucks season. Like the team is dysfunctional. The front office hates, hates the coach. The front office is firing people. There's lawsuits. 
The owner's insane. The owner is doing weird stuff with his kids. The captain isn't signed before JT Miller. Um, it's fantastic. I love it. There's I maybe a bit, bit, bit of backstory here. I grew up in Northern British Columbia for most of my life. Everybody around me was a Vancouver Canucks fan. I was the only Calgary Flames fan in my hometown of Shetland, British Columbia, home of Dodie Wood and home of Stanley Cup champion Derek England. Nothing has been more vital to my adult life than watching this market implode or find ways to shoot themselves in the foot. So um, I hope that Bo Horvat gets every penny that he's earned because um, he's a very great hockey player. I would be wrong in saying uh, that I haven't thought of Bo Horvat as a Calgary flame because all of the Vancouver Canucks come to Calgary and uh, have rejuvenated their lives because they're closer to the mountains and far away from the fan base and the media that is so incredibly Vancouver connects in its own right. Um, it's, it's just insane. Um, the story getting out is, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I feel bad, you know, it's like from a perspective of like, he has to deal with that now and he's going to get hounded about it. Um, he definitely had a statement game tonight, which was pretty great to see from a human perspective. Um, not great if you're a Flames fan. But uh, yeah, I, I just, it's it's impossible for this to go any more Vancouver Canucksy uh, to overuse that kind of term. Um, but I think it will because uh, the team clearly either doesn't value his skill set appropriately uh, with the paltry offer that was apparently rumored about him. Um, so if he leaves or gets traded, I think it's probably the best thing for him. Like he's a number one center in this league. He's he offers a very, very important skill set, which is he's, he's got finishing talent, which, you know, 31 other teams could covet. It doesn't matter if, you know, it's Arizona or Philadelphia or a good team. Uh, not to say that those teams wouldn't benefit, from, but, you know, you know what I mean? Like, like he's a good player. So uh, I have only thought of a few ideas for trade concepts, but I would maybe wait until you share yours or we can get some of the ones out of chat here. Okay, that was... Yeah, I mean, I think you know that it is the most Canucks thing possible in the most Canucks season possible. Um, for me, I think what what bothers me the most about this entire scenario is that, to your point, it's not that I object to them trading Bo Horvat in general. I think for somebody who wants this team to be fully rebuilt he is obviously one of the pieces that should be on the block if you're going to rebuild around Patterson and Hughes. I don't have a problem with him going. I frankly think he needs he's at the point in his career where he deserves to be on a team that is going to win soon and where he can stop answering all the tough questions, game in, game out, being the consummate professional, shouldering the load and just go and win. Like he's he's earned it. I I hope he gets paid every dollar that he should be paid. I don't think that necessarily should be with the Canucks. But what bothers me about the way they've treated Bo Horvat is that, you know, he has stuck with them through all these difficult seasons. He was handpicked. You know, we all saw the video of the Sedins kind of passing the torch on to him when he was made captain. And he's done everything this organization has asked of him. He was the face of kind of the players in the bubble walking out on those games uh, during the Black Lives Matter movement. He's done a admirable job dealing with media in terms of social justice issues in a league that is very poor at dealing with those things. And I think for them to have 
committed to JT Miller at the term and pay that they committed to JT Miller and then to turn down to make him this offer and say, well, if you don't take that, then we're going to trade you. It just, it makes no sense to me. Um, and that's been my real kind of ax to grind here. Uh, in my dream scenario for a trade, and I, I, I would love to see people in the chat give me, give me your trade scenarios. Uh, right now we're, Kaya, Kaya, who's our my other co-host, says we traded Corey Schneider a decade ago just to sign some random American before our captain. That's correct. Uh, Connor Kale says, wouldn't be surprised if he ends up somewhere back in Ontario. I know that TikTok Tomar was salivating over him becoming a rental for the Leafs this season, although I don't know where he's going to get that cap space. Um, for me, as a secondary abs fan, that to me seems like a good fit if he wants to win right away as, as a rental, that the abs have prospects and picks that I would like the Canucks to pick up. Um, and I think he fits in well in a top six that is having a lot of injury issues that lost Nazem Kadri to you guys and needs a little more finishing if they want it, finishing power if they want to get back to where they were last season. You stole my abs pick because I think it's like the perfect, it's like a, it's like a perfect glove, right? It's yeah. like the MJ, it's like the, it's like the OJ Simpson glove. Like it's, it, it fits. There's no acquittal there. Like it's, it's perfect. Um, the other team I was thinking about was actually Columbus of all things. Um, they're, but they're, they are just absolutely, but, but they need another top six player. They need a, a legitimate number one center. They might get Connor Bedard. They also might get Connor Bedard and he might get bungled while he's in Columbus, but they need somebody to play with Johnny Gaudreau. Um, it, it feels like a really good option there. Like, a, I don't think anybody would expect, you know, like a line, a, or that Goudreau line to not struggle. I mean, or they would be great. They wouldn't struggle. They, they, you know, they do all the things that you want them to do. Um, I was also thinking like, you know, like a team like Montreal maybe, or were, um, I, I, I've kind of reserved myself to believing that there are, you know, like wild card teams that you would not expect, you know, just out of nowhere. Um, and maybe that's because I got, Columbus pilled when Johnny Gaudreau picked a, a small market team in the Midwest to go, you know, play for rather than go to, you know, another market. So I, I, I think, you know, it's something like that. that's a bit outlandish that we're not expecting, you know, from a team with assets could pony up. And then all of a sudden you have the Canucks, you know, getting a plethora of assets back and they can retool or rebuild or whatever buzzword that they want to use to sell fans on that there's potential hope. Um, and then he, he'll get paid, which, you know, is a win for you, Sam, you can sleep soundly knowing that, uh, sweet Bo Horvat has got paid for his, his services. And we can, and I'll sleep soundly too, because I want him to be a good player, uh, or he is a good player, but I want him to thrive. Um, and everybody wins, but, um, deep down in my crusty heart, I want the Canucks to bungle this trade so badly that they don't get anything back of value or he, or he walks in the off season and that's probably what's going to happen oh it, 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 i mean if it happened to me it happened to me twice this summer with two players i really love now it's the Canucks' turn and then you know it'll be edmonton in a few years when people decide to leave there but you know you just this is can we jump back to the jt miller thing just for one second yeah absolutely why did they sign him everybody was ready to pony up assets and pay this man money that he probably only deserve for maybe like a year or two. And then he wouldn't deserve for the rest of the contract. It was so obvious. It was on a silver platter, Jim Rutherford. And 
apparently Patrick Alvin, who's the general manager, I just learned this the other day. He's actually the general manager. I had no idea. Um, they, they could have just did it and it would have been fantastic and everything would have worked out nicely. Um, everybody would have been so happy, um, but they didn't. And that's great for me and my type of people. Um, but it just doesn't make any sense. I'm, it's absolutely befuddling. I, I'm beside myself right now. That's, uh, yeah, if I could answer that question, <laughs> I feel like I would deserve a lot of money. I can't answer that question. It makes no sense. I think, uh, yeah, I I expected them to trade him. I think they somehow simultaneously knew that he wasn't the right fit, but also wanted a haul for him. Uh, they really, I think, fell in love with the 99-point season and didn't really consider the fact that in May, Rutherford flat out said to the media, this is a team that isn't going to contend regularly for playoffs for two to three seasons. Because you, there's no way to square that statement with signing JT Miller. Like those two things do not fit together. It's like, they, they just, it makes no sense. None of it made any sense. Um, it's like it's like toothpaste and orange juice. Like it, yeah. just, it doesn't make, yeah. And that's, I was really hoping you would have an answer because like you're the smartest person I know on Twitter. So it's like, I came prepared to ask you what the hell is going on with that. Um, it's okay. It's I, one of I, life's unanswered what questions. They, what they wanted to do, I think, was uh, try to make the playoffs. Uh, and that was the best way to do it. Because, you know, why Why try to build a contender and have a little patience if you could just make the playoffs and exit after one round? And chat's going off about uh, the rumors of the dressing room. Oh, is this is is the drama like a real thing i i am as you know unaware. i hear you know there's there's a lot of buzz about people calling it a country club saying there's a lot of division in in the dressing room hmm. no one will confirm or deny i was gonna say the chat is going off with like mike fail love oh yeah i uh i brought a legion of scorched Act subscribers i love me. it somebody said even your art is perfect oh the Alexis on fire print is uh, quite, quite rare. I'm very proud of myself for tracking that down. That That is from their 2012 farewell tour. Um, it is an artist proof. Uh, I paid a sum of money that I'm not comfortable admitting, um, but I had been looking for it for 10 plus years. So it worked out really nicely. It was a better, better deal for a lot of money than JT Miller was. I agree with that. Uh, the chat is also going off Pius says, I'm going to say the Miller signing is going to be the worst signing of my lifetime. Uh, there's a lot of years left in your lifetime, Kaya. I wouldn't count on it. How old I, is she? Kaya, Kaya just turned 20. Oof, I think. Her, her worst years are like 15, 16 years ahead of her when you get to your mid 30s. When your knees start hurting for no reason, that's when like you know it's downhill. You're going to be okay. I was going to say, I, I was spoiled in my 20s because... I, in my 20s, the Canucks were good. So. I mean, yeah, you were living the the primetime years uh, high. I was uh, balding and watching the Calgary Flames try to figure out what what to do or they were using their draft picks poorly or using Bob Hartley as a coach. It, it, it's a mixed bag for me here. That sounds about right. You got, got lots to look forward to, Kaya. Um, all right. Uh, 
we're gonna we're gonna wrap that up here but if you want to throw your suggestions for Beau Horvat trades or vent about your feelings about a potential Beau Horvat trade in the comments I will come back and read them and we can pick this up when I am back hosting again next week in the meantime the Canucks take on the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday Kaya will be doing the post game show so make sure you hit like subscribe go follow Mike go follow the Scorch Stack Go follow at SDPN Sports. Don't follow me. I am very annoying on Twitter. Don't do it. Um, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Don't sell yourself short. You are a fantastic <laughs> follow. You are full of legal advice that I don't completely understand, but I pay attention to. You bully people into deleting their accounts and tweets. You make people that are really dense and unarticulate and unintelligent uh, feel really small about themselves, which I really enjoy because I don't really tweet very much anymore. I just lurk. And so I'm just like, oh, what's Sam doing today? She's ruining somebody's life online. It's great. That was that was quite the ad. That was quite the ad. I enjoyed it. Thank you for the hype. Thank you oh, for yeah, no thank you for watching. Um, Charmaine Tang says, subscribe to Scorch Stack. Yes, subscribe to Scorch Stack. It's glorious. Um, also, yeah, definitely subscribe to Scorch Stack. It's a riot. Best Perfect. time on best time in hockey. You did my ad read for Scorched Act. The Scorchies were going to fire me or demote me below Creighton if I didn't get somebody to do an ad read. Uh, so this is fantastic. People people need to do it. And then you need to go um, ask Romina about Shrek. That's all you need to know. Uh, all right. Connects win 4-3. We fall further and further away from a top three pick in the draft. And uh, enjoy that, guys. It's been a hoot.